It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wildcats podcast and exciting news right here. We have teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM's lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM, use bonus code PHNX and we'll get you a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign, uh, sign up using promo code PHNX. Uh, deposit at least $10 and your first wage uh, and place your first wager on any game, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use promo code PHNX or bonus code when you sign up. And to kick off this partnership, we're doing a massive watch party this Saturday at 2 p.m. at the BetMGM Sportsbook at State Farm Stadium. Come watch the last stages of college basketball play out as they'll have food and beverage specials, giveaways, and massive TVs to watch the games on. Plus, if you register and place your first bet with promo code PHNX, when you sign up, you'll receive a PHNX shirt. And now listen to Shane for the quick disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. All right, now, joined by the great Jody Ayler. You can check him on the Drive, Fox Sports 910, somebody I grew up listening to, Happy Hour with Jody Ayler, uh, J- Jody Ayler. And Jody, that was not meant to make you feel old right there. It was just a tip of the cap of salute, as the kids would say. I appreciate it. I've, I've got three kids that make me feel old enough. You, 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 don't, you can't add any more logs to that fire. Well, I'm not looking to do that, so you know, we'll keep <laughs> it clean right there. All right, Jody, let's get started here. Um, Arizona basketball. I want to get your take on Arizona basketball and Arizona football. I'm of the opinion now that we know two things about Arizona basketball, that Tommy Lloyd is a great coach on the court. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think it's also fair to say that he masked a lot of flaws with this roster. And this offseason, we're going to find out how exactly he is the roster constructor and if he can get those guys to take the next step. Yeah, I agree. I, I think like there's there's two different ways to look at it, right? We're all watching Arizona in two different ways. One is Tommy Lloyd replacing Sean Miller. I think we'd all agree that the style of play, the approach, the attitude, the energy, it's all significantly better than it was for a long time under Sean Miller. That's now ancient history. The other part of it that you have to you can't separate is that 
this program and this fan base, we haven't been to a final four in a really, 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 really right. long time. And it's really a long wait. And we don't have patience in a big picture sense. In, in, in a smaller sense, we do because we know Tommy Lloyd's just going into year three and to your point has to bring in his guys, do things his way. And he's made the best of a roster and a best of a tough situation. And we appreciate that he sort of came in on an Arizona program that seemed to be teetering on the brink of, are they going to have to go to a smaller name, smaller school coach or an alum, or can they bring in a real deal dude? And so the fact that Arizona right now has a coach that put them on the map in two years again, or put them back on the map is awesome. I just think, Mike, it's been a long time since this team has been validated with a Final Four, and, right. and it, you just keep looking at your watch. And let's be honest here. That's what matters here. And again, UCLA fans, when you get back and forth on Twitter, the one thing they have going for them, yes, they haven't won a conference title until this year in 10 years, but you know what? They can say, we've had four Final Fours since the last time you made one. Final Fours at the end of the day, and maybe it's shallow to some, are what matters, Jody. I mean, that's, you know, growing up here in Arizona, basically – Every fourth year under Lute Olson, you could expect a Final Four. 88, 94, 97, 01. 01's the last one. And, you know, I, it's just crazy to think about a school like that that has been has been to so many Elite Eights, has not been able to get to a Final Four since then. It's wild. I mean, I think if you would have asked anybody, I was on campus. I was a U of A student in 01. We went righted after the uh, loss to Duke down on 4th Avenue. Oh, you were one of those? I, I was one of those. I was right. I was one of only one of only two riots I've been in in my life. Yeah. Um, but then if you would have told anybody at that time, hey, it's going to be 22 plus years until this team and this program is back in a final four. Nobody would have believed you. Now, here we are. It's been a long drought. There's been a lot of close calls. There have been a lot of agonizing defeats. There's been at least two, if not three different coaches that felt like at one point might be able to get to a final four. And it's just. You're right. There's no comeback, right? Anytime a fan base fires back with it, 22 years, it's been two plus decades, there is no comeback. This was a real source of pride for Arizona fans for a very long time that Lute Olson and the Arizona Wildcat basketball program consistently got to Final Fourth. Now, they didn't win right. championships, and it wasn't every year, but there was a, a pride that Arizona mattered. And now I just think, you know, the the most optimistic thing I could say about this this drought is that nothing really matters in college basketball anymore. I mean, there really aren't blue bloods that exist in college basketball anymore. Duke, I don't consider the same without Coach K. Right. Obviously, North Carolina's their struggles. Kansas is probably the closest. Gonzaga's never broken through and won a championship, so it's hard to really take them that seriously. I mean, they're a very, very good program, but to me, I just look at it I'm like, nothing really matters. It feels like every year is a total reset for every program, every coach, and every legacy. And that that's the only kind of silver lining I could give this drought. And we're going to get into this uh, new era of college basketball in a second, but I wanted to get your take, too, on the roster uh, composition. I salute Kerr Creesa. I almost said Steve Kerr. I salute uh, Kerr Creesa for what he did at Arizona. But, Jody, honestly, I just felt that you were somewhat capped. If you have a starting lineup going into next season where you have Pella Larson, who can do some very good things, but he can't dribble the ball, and you have Kerr Creesa, who, I mean, let's be honest here, he's probably going to average about 10 points and five assists and shoot 36% from the field. I just think you're really capped at that point if two of those three are your starting perimeter players. This opens up, obviously, room for Boswell, and we're going to get to it in a second, but Tommy Lloyd's got to hit the portal here. You look around the uh, – and uh, uh, Jacob, if you could throw that graphic up of guys that were uh, in the Elite Eight Sweet 16, 
these were guys, I mean, you just look at this across the board. Marquise Noel, 17 points. Uh, Keontae Johnson, first team all Big 12. Marcus Carr, Serge Abari Rice, Nigel Pack. With all due respect to the guys that you got, uh, you know, Courtney Ramey and Seth Henderson, Jody, these are the kind of difference makers that Arizona should be able to get in the portal. Yeah, you know, going back, I agree with you 100%. And I think we're all sort of learning on the fly about the transfer portal and what what you can do and what you can't do. Because there was a real thought when the portal opened wide that you you should be adding just complimentary pieces like Courtney Ramey said Henderson that are just kind of off the bench, veteran, steady guys. Now it's pretty clear there's going to be guys available every year that can not only start for your team, that might be able to anchor your team. And right. I think that mindset is still evolving. Let's go back to Kirk Creasa for a second because I think this is a really – um, important point to make about his Arizona career. I think Kirk Creasa would have been the perfect four-year player for the Arizona Wildcats. There, there's a time where that player in college basketball doesn't play much as a freshman, plays a little bit as a sophomore. Junior year might have been the sixth man off the bench. Senior year, depending on the composition, might have right. been the starting two-guard, one-guard, or might have still been the sixth man off the bench. And obviously, the greatest example of that in college basketball history is probably Jason Terry, who was just He's yes. just that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Kirk Creasa was never the kind of player that should have been anchoring a right. Final Four college right. basketball team. But because of the circumstances, the change in coaching staff, and what was needed to kind of keep the ship afloat, you kind of had to give him a really big role in order to just keep some semblance of a roster together. So I don't blame Tommy Lloyd. I don't blame Kirk Creasa. Nor do I blame, frankly, Arizona fans that kind of grew tired of his antics. I think it ran its course. I, I always view Kirk Creasy like this is a comp that if people watch the NBA and are Suns fans, he's kind of Arizona's campaign. I, like, knew you were, I knew you were going to go you know, there. Are you going to talk about a lefty there, Jody? Yeah, you know, it's it's also like campaign will drive you insane. He just right. does. and But there are moments where campaign will carry your team for like seven minutes, right. and it's beautiful. That Kirk Creasa is an off-the-bench microwave score. Who cares about the shot selection? Who cares about the right. decision-making? Come in, hit a few shots, do a few heat check, then take your spot on the bench. Arizona, he was miscast as a you know a 30-minute-a-night point guard. I know he led the conference in assists, but that's to his credit. I just I, – I, I really do appreciate what Kirk Creasa meant to the program. Um, I go back to when Sean Miller took over and guys like – Derek Williams stuck around, and they helped really? build this early foundation. Solomon Kirk Hill, Reese, guys like that. He, yeah, he deserves to be sort of mentioned in that same conversation as guys that didn't have to stick around. They did, and Tommy Lloyd won a hell of a lot of basketball games in a large part because players like Kirk Reese had trusted their future to him. And you know what we found out, too, and what Arizona needs to get in the portal? And, uh, Jacob, you could throw that other one up about guys that are in the portal. And there are some other names, obviously, in there as well that have entered. You know, your TJ Bombas, your, uh, you know, your Caleb Loves. There's guys out there that are already in the portal. And, Jody, quite frankly, Arizona needs some dogs. Arizona, you saw in that game against Princeton that you had a lot of guys. Azulis Tabellis. Did a lot of good stuff, like you said about Kirk Creasa, massive tip of the cap. But he didn't really want the ball there at the end of the game against Princeton. I mean, I still remember that twenty or that sixteen foot jumper that he had, and he kind of tentatively dribbled it in and then shot it, and it was blocked. Only person that really wanted the shot was Courtney Ramey, and you know that's to his credit. He's just not good enough. So you've got to get guys, I think, that embrace that moment more so than anything, along with being talented, obviously. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Tabellus, the, the only dog Tabellus has in him is the kind that's peeing on the rug inside over and over again. And you're just right. like, come on, like, when's this going to change? And he's a, he's a very good player, but two years in a row, it's clear the moment is just not his thing. And that's, you know, that's that uh, we'll see what his future holds. Um, here's 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 the concern, right? A couple things. You put up that graphic and I've been following the transfer portal. There's always so many combo guards out there, right? Every right. year you're going to be able to find five different six, five sub six, five combo guards that want to shoot high volume at a okay shooting percentage. They're a dime a dozen in basketball. Right. They're a dime a dozen in pickup basketball. They're a dime a dozen in college. They're a dime a dozen in the NBA. Not only do they need some dogs, they need some freaking wings, man. Right. They need six, six plus put the ball on the floor, strong, take and absorb contact, finish at the rim, bark at the opposing team, stare down the bench, come back down, make a three. Like the, the There used to be this huge gap between the NBA and college basketball, and then they extended the three-point line in college hoops, and it's sort of – it's pretty homogenous now. I think in basketball, period, you need jumbo wings that can do everything to win at the highest level. And I know that this tournament is sort of – scrambled everyone's brains of like what wins in college hoops what doesn't if you look right. at most of these teams they've got a six seven six eight guy that's just doing work on both sides and that's just a universal truth now and arizona doesn't have one on the roster doesn't have one in the pipeline and i think that's a huge problem well that was a hallmark of loot's teams and heck even sean yes. miller's teams people talk about point guard you and deservedly so but you look at it from michael dickerson to richard jefferson to Hassan adams to andre iguodala to ronde hollis jefferson to aaron gordon to solomon hill you have had an assembly line of those players and quite frankly Pella Larson can do some good things. You and I definitely see eye to eye on Pella Larson for sure. Mm -hmm. Pella Larson to me is more of a seventh guy. He plays yep. about 16 minutes a game, you know, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, but he can't really dribble. He's not a, uh, he's not a knockdown shooter. He's a nice role player kind of, but again, if it's like with Kirk Kreese, if you're playing him 30 minutes, Tommy Lloyd's genius might get you through the regular season, but that's going to be a problem when you hit the tournament. Yeah, no doubt. I agree 100% about Pella Larson. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's wings. And, and you know, to be fair, Dalen Terry stays yeah. in school. This mm -hmm. team probably goes to the final four. Like, I believe that in in my heart of hearts that right. they had the wings last year. Benedict Matherin, Dalen Terry. And this is the crazy part about college basketball. It's it's not just about landing the guys. It's the timing and how it matches up with the newcomers and the guys that are leaving. And so it's it's a Rubik's Cube. To be sure, every single year in college basketball, and it's just been a really long time since Arizona right. got that Rubik's cube where all the colors were on the same side. I, by the way, which I've never done in my life, I still consider that like a miracle that people can do. We had Brad Alice on yesterday, and he said that you're actually a very good basketball player, Jody Ayler. Now, I've seen Brad Alice play basketball. Is that in comparison to Brad Alice, or are you actually a good <laughs> basketball player? I'm a, I'm a good hooper. I, you know, I'm I can now say this at 41. Um, I'm a good basketball player. I do a little bit of everything. I'm a slasher. Um, I, I like to play with that edge. I'm a talker. Right. I love playing basketball, man. Pick up hoops. There's nothing better than that. You Do you play? Do you play hoops? Oh, I do play. I do play. Give me the Mike Luke. Give me the Mike Luke breakdown. What do you? Right, well, here's the Mike scouting? Luke break. Here's the Mike Luke breakdown. Essentially, is that I shoot a lot of threes. I, I run around. I have a pretty quick release. I'm actually fairly athletic for my size and my uh, disposition, 
But, you know, fringe, fringe high school player on a really, really – at a great program. So I can uh, – you know, I, I get picked up. I'll put it to you like that. But you yeah, have to I know, like that. But you have to know what you're getting with me, though. Hey, uh, well, one, one thing to know. Did you know uh, Saul Bookman is the all-time leading free-throw shooter in Arizona high school basketball history? What? Right. What? Right. Can you believe that? Yeah, no, seriously. I was looking up an article uh, when I was doing some freelance work for the Daily Star like 10 years ago. And I was looking up a guy named Sammy Wade that played at Pueblo. And I see at the top the longest list of uh, made free throws in a roll. Saul Bookman right there. He doesn't talk about it nearly enough. No, you should talk about it all the time. I put together uh, during Super Bowl week, I did a media pickup game. And there was some national – Doug Gottlieb played with us. We had – Jason McIntyre from the herd. I should have asked Saul to join in. I didn't even. I didn't even know. He hooped. I don't know who hoops. Like to your point, you and I share probably a similar trait. If you look at me showing up to a basketball court, I'm a gangly, razor thin, six foot one, extremely white, redheaded dude that wears a headband, um, <laughs> which I've reconsidered a little bit. The Creighton kid made me reconsider my headband. It's really for me. It is a functional for sweat purposes only. It's not really mm-hmm. a fashion statement. But it, I, I can hoop, and if you sleep on me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, and I'm gonna get you to the bucket, and uh, I love it, man. You know, you know who the best uh, hooper of Tucson media probably that I've ever played against Ooh. is probably also the most accomplished from the Tucson media alumni group, and that's Ryan Radke. Ryan Radke. Oh, I can see Ryan. Very being good. good hooper, big, strong, right. athletic. He is uh, – I only played a few times with him, but Radke can hoop for sure. All right. I could see that. I could definitely yeah. see that, especially, too. I'd like to see Ryan trash talk with that booming, deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, Joe, by the way, guy right here, Derek Pivko, Jody has entered the transfer portal. Um, <laughs> all right. I wanted to get your take on Arizona football here. But first, have you heard about the term for the four U of A big men that I've used all year? It's oh, the yeah, official yeah, the four peaks right there. Now, a lot of people dismiss it and say, well, you know what, uh, um, Dylan Anderson, Henry Vasart, they do their work behind the scenes. You know what does their work in front of the scenes? Four peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. New coach, new GM. The Cardinals have the third pick in the draft. I believe they should choose Will Anderson. It's a big opportunity for our team, the best place to take on this pivotal moment and the rest of the NFL draft. April 27th at Four Peaks, 8th Street Pub, uh, Jacob Franklin says he's there right now. Must be 21 in your, years up uh, to enjoy. And I want to get Jody's take on that pick We're here in just a second. But also, Tap and Bottle. We had Tap and Bottle watch parties all year. A lot of people showed up. Downtown, fun location. Or you can go to the north side. Scott and Rebecca do a great job. And you can get four peaks there as well. Food trucks, you name it, they got it. Check it out. Who would you pick with that pick? Um. I would trade down, but if I okay. stuck, I would I would take Will Anderson. Can I tell you a quick uh, tap yeah. and bottle connection? You know, Rebecca oh, was yeah. an academic advisor at the University of Arizona, and I was a student employee. And I can't remember if I worked when she was there. It might have been the very tail end, or I came back and did some some like they used to do these things called pizza with a professional, where you'd sit down mm-hmm. with college students and tell them. But right. uh, Rebecca, good people. She's good. Oh people. yeah, oh no, they're great. They've been uh, they've been in my corner for about ten years now. Awesome, awesome people. Very unfortunate. You're right though about Will Anderson. I would trade down, but I think with the Cardinals, you have to be able to hit on that pick, and I think he's a very safe pick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, they got so many needs, and Edge is certainly way at the top. It's it's kind of a no brainer if they stay at right. three. 
Let's talk Arizona football. Now, I'll be honest, obviously going out to practice and whatnot. I was, Jody, I thought the Jed Fish hire was bizarre. I didn't get it at all. And I think we talked about this last time. I didn't, you know, this guy's never really been in consideration for a job. Never really, you know, kind of goes from, you know, school to school to program to program. But I'll tell you what, watching him on the ground day in and day out, being able to bother the coaches in the manner in which I, this, this has been a home run hire in my opinion so far, because this dude is literally at the office at 6 a.m., He's leaving at 8 p.m. or whenever it is. He's putting in 12, 13-hour days. The staff all works as one. Whenever we interview a recruit, they always say, man, they recruit us harder after we commit. There is something to be said in Arizona for having somebody, and I think this is actually why Dillingham was a good hire too, somebody that wants to be there, that isn't looking at it like, all right, well, I'll do the bare minimum to get out of here. And I think that's where both Arizona schools hit the nail on the head. Here's where I think you know Jed Fish was a good hire for Arizona. I think Kenny Dillingham is hired at ASU because Jed Fish was hired at U of A. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. I think the influence of that hire where you didn't have to go big, old, recycled name. You didn't have to go for some high salary dude that had some resume, even though his best days were behind him. I think Kenny, the hiring of Kenny Dillingham, to me, uh, was either directly or indirectly influenced by what Jed Fish has done at Arizona now. You know, He's also benefited from having absolutely zero expectations for Arizona football. (laughs) Nobody expects anything. So if you do anything, everybody's going to celebrate it. This season for Arizona football, the year three, man, it is where where everything comes together or falls apart. Mike Stoops went six and six in his third year at Arizona. Now, a couple more years, he would would go eight and five and have the Nick Foles-Rob Gronkowski season. But it was year three that he saved his job because right. at that point they were coming three, off three and eight level. seasons in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, same thing, right? You inherit a good roster, have a good couple of years. The first two. Now what are you going to do? Year three, all your guys wins 10 games. It's the only time Anu Solomon sort of validated <laughs> all that. Hype we had. Yeah. He stayed healthy and he won all those high school state championships for Bishop Gorman and, and then won 10 games one year for his one. So I, to me, it's like, all that hard work Jed Fish has done, and, and I agree with you. I have nothing negative to say about it. Um, I'll, I'll say this. he's He's got to make Arizona this year like a can't-miss, must-see football game, football. And, and it's been better than expected, but they still don't have much sizzle. And I think there's got to be some – there's got to be a real reason this year to, like, dive – deep into Arizona football. You, Jody, as always, you hit the nail on the head right there because here's the thing. If you're Arizona last year, it was about showing that improvement. You went from one win to five wins. Now you've got to be able to bring in the common fan. And honestly, when you look at the roster and offense, and again, the defense is still a problem, Mark. We we know that. But people watch offense, let's be honest here. Chicks dig the long ball. And um, with, uh, with the quarterback position, you got Delora back, who was inconsistent, but still a wildly uh, – uh, big upgrade over what they had had in the past. And Jody, this was the first time I've ever said this at the University of Arizona that I thought last year, and granted you lost Dorian Singer, but I thought that Arizona had about as good a receiving core as there was in the country. Between Jacob yeah. Cowling, T-Mac, Dorian Singer, you obviously lose Dorian Singer. You get those two back. You've got uh, some other players as well. There's a lot to like about this team on paper. A lot to like. I agree with you about the wide receivers, and I still think to your point, having two of those dudes back 
Still right. gives them one of the best wide receiver duos in the conference and the potential to have one of the best wide receiver duos right. in the country. Because I think what we saw from T-Mac as a freshman is this dude's going to make plays and I think more opportunities, more chemistry. This is what it comes down to again. And, and you know, I'm curious if, if you agree is it, it's the quarterback position. It's always the quarterback position. And it's that's always been the hang up for Arizona football is. I can count on one hand the number of seasons that a quarterback has had that have mattered, that has generated right. a buzz. Right. Um, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have tried. There's been a lot of quarterbacks that show flashes. Jaden Dolores certainly showed some flashes last year. He's talked about it. I'm sure you've talked about it. He says he's more comfortable. He's ready to let it rip. He's got the playbook like the back of his hand. Great. This, this, We need to see the results of a second-year quarterback throwing to the second year of two of the top wide receivers. And this team needs to put up 30 points plus a game. And if they lose, if they go, you know, six and six, but they're putting up 34 points a game and losing a bunch of 41 to 35 track meets, I can live with that, but it's they got to show up offensively. And see, that's the thing. You can totally live with that if, you know, like you said, you're putting up 38. If you're losing games 38 to 45, but you're in all of these games and you go six and six, I think everybody will say, all right, let's get to year four right there. One thing to keep an eye on, though, for um, your vantage point up in the Valley, though, is a kid named Noah Fafita. Um He's an interesting guy because I've never seen it because he's really in uncharted waters right here. He's a legitimately a five foot seven quarterback that at some point is going to be the starter at Arizona. And it's just crazy watching him in practice. He's got the biggest arm on the field. He's moves around. The ball generally isn't knocked down. It's uh, he's you know, five foot seven. Like he's legitimately five foot seven. He's five foot seven. They list him at five that nine. He's not that's five. That's not going to work, man. That can't work. I, I would agree, but I'm just saying just keep an eye out. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because it you've seen five, seven quarterbacks, but they're always like army or military service guys right, that are right. running the wishbone or the option. In 1998, you know what I mean? Like it just it, it feels like the last 10 years have sort of rooted out that, hey, this five, seven kid's going to run for 1,200 yards. And but maybe who knows? Listen, I'm not I'm not going to say he's got. No chance. I'll, I'll, I'll root Odds are against and, and, him. I'm just saying yeah. that it's a fascinating thing to watch right yeah. there. Now, you might say to yourself, where's a fascinating place to watch games? Illegal Pete's. I'm sure Jody Ayler has been to Illegal Pete's before. I've been once or twice. Yeah, it was a little after my time, but I, I right. do enjoy yeah. dipping it. It, it. it hit a little bit after my time as well, but that doesn't mean that it can't hit for the right time for other people. And nothing cures the bracket is busted in the first round like fresh limes, tequila, lots of tequila, and sweet agave. Try out an illegal Pete's coin premium or frozen margarita. Stop by for happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m. down on University, or you can go to the Tempe location and Mountain Mike's Pizza. I was in Sacramento. I didn't know that Mountain Mike's Pizza was national in the way it is. I saw a Mountain Mike's Pizza there, and I took a picture to prove it. And Mountain Mike's Pizza is here on oh, Oracle and Wetmore. Check it out. Head over to MountainMikesPizza.com or to their Mesa Chandler and Tucson locations to place your next order. Reminder, new diehards get a $50 voucher upon signing up. All right, Jody, we're going to disagree here, but I want to I, I ask you before we get to this. The Pac-12 going forward, the Pac-10, the conference, what would you like to see, if it stays together, what would you like to see different about, let's say, the next six or seven years than we've seen from the previous, you know, Larry Scott, early stage George? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Pac-12 conference is to grow a backbone, have some pride, put out some real, like, 
there's there's a defeatism to Pac-12 athletics that has <laughs> taken over in the last decade. Where I was never, I mean, for a long time, it was like, hey, the Pac-12 might not be the best college football conference, but damn it, this conference has the best offenses and great quarterbacks and a ton of points. And then identity, obviously, yeah, there was an identity, and we were proud of it, and and we were we could wave that flag. And then there was always college hoops. There was Arizona. There was UCLA. There was Mike Montgomery and Stanford. There was Ernie Kennett, Oregon, like. There were real names and identifiable, and there was real pride. Like, there's no pride in the Pac-12 anymore. I mean, there's no pride. People people don't talk about the conference. They don't brag about it. They don't stand up for it, and there's for good reason for that. It's largely fallen short of the standards that other conferences have set. We've lost territory. We've lost ground. We've lost credibility. We don't produce the same kind of NFL or NBA talent that this conference once did. And so, I, you know, I always looked at it like, man – they they need a they need a Paul Feinbaum they need a they need a media centered uh, approach that is interesting and compelling and notable and I don't know who or what or why but that to me is the one change because I honestly Mike I don't think there's any teams that you can add to this conference that are going right. to transform it in the eyes of co- competition I mean great SMU San Diego State I'd welcome them with open arms. I don't think that suddenly gets you in with the Big Ten and the SEC. So to me, it's just quit being so damn defeated about the conference. If you're going to be in the conference, be in the conference, do good work, make sure people know about your work and stop putting your, I want to swear like eight times on this, but like put your games on at times where people can watch them, period. And that's the thing. That's the thing, too. And let's you, let's use that UCLA-Arizona game as an example. And I'm okay with Bill Walton generally. I prefer him on games where it's Washington State, Oregon State, or whatever. But my problem with this, you have a 8.30 start for Arizona-UCLA with Bill Walton on the call where he goes 20 minutes talking with Jamal Wilkes about what their favorite pastimes are. That do, Jody, that doesn't happen in other conferences. Can you no. imagine Duke, North Carolina, where they have Bill Walton talking about with Jamal Wilkes about things that people don't even care about. That doesn't happen in other conferences. No, I, you know, I saw your tweet about that. And at first I was like, Oh, come on, Mike, Bill Walton's a, a PAC 12 treasure. And then I, I think you're right when it comes to those big games. I think, even like a regular season, Arizona UCLA on ESPN is fine for Bill Walton. For sure. Why did that game start at eight thirty p.m.? What yes. was the point of that being on? That like I don't understand. Uh, hope it, there you go, Joe. You're back, yes, sir. If I'm the Pac-12, I am absolutely going to put my games on days. I don't have any allegiance to any day. I don't have any allegiance to any specific late night window i'm putting my games on when tv networks want to fill the time when it's like you want to put a tuesday you know evening arizona's ucla college basketball game great i i just think they need to be more flexible because whatever they're doing has not worked right and so how much how much does it matter to you too and then i'm going to make kind of my case a lot of i get a lot of people that say well you know what uh, the Big 12, it's truck stop. I think your big thing is you don't want to lose the rivalries that are in here. Right, right. Totally get that. How much of it, does it matter to you at all that these are smaller cities or that it's an academically less prestigious conference? The Big 12 specifically? Yeah, just as, you know, vis-a-vis Pac-12, Big 12. No, is that- I, I, I think there's charm in having smaller community colleges. I think that's college, you know. I think that's, you know, Tucson is is a big city, but relative to LA and and San Francisco and Seattle it's not. So I appreciate 
I think the challenge with the Big 12 is it's it's largely been kind of a nondescript conference in its own right for a long time with underachieving top dogs. And so it just kind of feels like in some way you're swapping one underachieving brand for a different underachieving brand. But if I, I think that's also I had to kind of look at that and probably say that's an outdated take because I think the Big 12 is clearly surpassed the Pac-12 in college basketball specifically. And even in college football, you can you could certainly make right. that case. Although I would I would probably stack Oregon, UW, and I think um, I think football is I think football is essentially a wash. My a wash, yeah, yeah. My my case is ba- mainly for basketball because I think you know it's hard to argue with the success the Big Twelve has had. Now, granted, knock on wood, they didn't have a team in the Final Four this year, but games against Kansas and Fog Allen to me would be awesome. The other thing that I worry a little bit about Jody, and I'm curious to your take, I worry about the streaming entity. The Big Twelve to me is at least. I know for the next seven years, if Arizona's in the Big 12, you get 32 million and you're going to be on ESPN. The Pac-12 worries me. If you're talking about a 75, 80% streaming, I think streaming is the wave of the future. Totally get that. But I don't believe that it's here quite yet. And I think that that could possibly really limit an already overlooked product. Yeah, I don't know what the – I agree with you. I think it's probably more prominent. Like my parents stream all of their content when they're in their 70s. Yeah, and so I feel like there's a saturation level there that makes it okay. Here's where I think the problem is. It's not about what we think the cultural societal trend is. It's where the money is right now, right? Because let's say you you sign up for a streaming heavy deal. Okay, well, if streaming becomes the primary rights holders five years from now, they're just going to drop the Pac-12 and get the SEC and Big Ten on Amazon or Apple. Anyways, you're you're essentially a placeholder. You're not going to get any credit for being the first. You're going to get less money than even the traditional TV contracts. So I don't know what the upside is other than the typical Pac-12. We feel like we're going to be the smartest guy in the room. When reality, what you're doing is handicapping your own conference. To your point, get on ESPN, stay on ESPN. I, I, I've kind of come around on the Big 12 thing just watching the college basketball season. And I know that's not the driver of this conversation. But you do kind of fantasize about a conference schedule where Arizona is just going toe-to-toe with, with top schools and programs top that Matt, Yeah, right. and – arenas that are jam-packed with people and then they come to McHale and it's jam-packed and like that's old school Pac-12 college basketball and I think the Big 12 now has usurped it particularly if they snag Gonzaga and then it's like well let's just get it on man let's get it on with Kansas and Gonzaga and BYU and let's see what Let's just do it in college basketball. And you know what else it does? It also, if you go through a Big 12 season, if you got real weaknesses, you're going to be exposed. Arizona can play all the Washington states, the Oregon states, the Colorados. And you know what? They're going to look fine. But it's a lot different when you're going against Kansas, Kansas State. I mean, heck, they're adding Houston here in the next couple of years. Um, Schools like that Baylor, which two years removed from a national title, you know, you know your weaknesses and what you need to address. I think very early on, where in the Pac-12, like we talked about earlier, you can disguise some of those. Yeah, it gives you a false sense of reality. It gives you a false sense of comfort. And here's the other thing: like a Big Twelve schedule does, you feel like almost. And I know this isn't 100 percent true, but I'm going to exaggerate a little bit. Like 
You feel like by the time you get to the tournament, you've already had an incredible season, right? Like you've played nine or ten big-ticket games. That's old-school Arizona basketball where, yeah, the tournament failures or if you lose early, it still stings, it still sucks. But, you know, when you look at Arizona basketball now and they lose in the first round, you're like, well, Jesus, I haven't seen this team play more than like three decent games in the last two and a half months. And it just feels like you were left hanging once December ended. You were just waiting for the tournament, and then it's over. So, like, at least with the Big 12-style schedule, you're getting real-deal college basketball from November until March, and then the tournament, I'm not going to call it a bonus because it's still the most important thing that matters, but it's it's different. Right. Uh, yes, Jody Ayler, the great Jody Ayler. Let me get the last read out here, and then want to give you a big thanks. But uh, become a Phoenix diehard today. Check out https backslash backslash phnx locker to grab your membership and to receive exclusive content, discount on all events, merch, and access to Discord chats. Check it out, Jody. You are the absolute man. I do have a question for you though. Would you prefer right now putting you on the putting you on the spot? Do Five it. years from now, would you prefer Arizona in the Pac-12 or the Big 12? Um, I, I'll do it. You, you want I'd to do probably it? probably say Big 12, but I don't feel strongly about it. You know I get what you. I, mean? like, I get you. I'll make the best of the Pac-12 if that's what we need to do. Right. All right. You can check him out, obviously, on the drive. Jody Ayler, uh, 910. You're the man, dude. I really appreciate your time, buddy. Mike, I love it. I love talking hoops and football with you in any time, buddy. All right. Back the A, Jody. We'll talk to you soon. For Jody Ayler, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.